Hello and welcome to the BVC Podcast. Here at Brownsburg Vineyard Church, we want you to know that we are a group of ordinary people that serve an extraordinary God. Our mission is to honor God and advance His kingdom by building disciples who will give their lives to changing the world. Whether you are local or joining us from a distance, we want to thank you for being a part of our family. To learn more about us, you can visit thebvchurch.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's message. suited for this hot weather, so I'm rejoicing in, in the cool weather. So uh, so let me, let me just pray before we get started. Uh, God, I thank you that you, the Bible says that your word is sharper than a double-edged sword, and, and it, it's able, God, to, to penetrate, to, to hit places that, that just can't otherwise be hit. It, it's able to uh, kind of make its way into the recesses of our minds and hearts and bring truth and bring healing and encouragement and victory in the places that we need it the most. So God, we just open up our minds and our hearts to Your Word today. Um, And in any place where we need to hear Your Word, uh, and in any way that we need to hear Your Word, I pray, may we have ears that hear this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. So I think one of the um, tendencies that we have as human beings is... Um, the longer we're around something, the more familiar we become with something, we lose objectivity. We just start making assumptions, we start becoming blind to things because we're just so familiar with it, and, and so we, we don't really think about it as much as we should, maybe as much as a person who, who has never thought about it or who has never been exposed to it. So it would be really interesting if you were to find a person um, who was completely on church, who had never set foot in a church, had never really had any preconceived notion of what the church was, and if you were to take that person and you were to put into that person's hands the Bible, in particular, if you were to put into their hands the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the, the four books that are about the life of Jesus, and then you were to give them the book of Acts, which is about the start of the church, and then all of the letters that follow about how the church was working and communicating, and you were to put all of that into their hand and say, here, I want you to read this, and now, having read this, I want you to describe what the church is supposed to look like. What is the church supposed to be doing, not based on what you already know or what you've heard, but what should the church be doing and how should Christians be living based purely off of an unadulterated and uninfluenced reading of the Gospels and the book of Acts. What's interesting is that is almost exactly what happened to John Wimber. John Wimber was a man who founded the Vineyard Churches, and John Wimber was one of those few people who grew up completely on church, having no idea what the church was. He got saved, and he started attending a church of, of really nice people, really godly people, and he enjoyed being there. But the longer that he was in that setting, the more there was this tension that was kind of growing within him, and this, this, this awareness of this paradox and this difference, and what was, what was around this tension, or what the impetus of this tension that he was feeling, was that he realized that what he was reading in the Gospel messages and in the book of Acts was not what he was seeing in the church. And he asked this question. He says, when do we get to see this stuff? When do we get to do the stuff 
that Jesus was doing? When do we get to see and do the stuff that the apostles were doing? And the more that he read the gospel messages in the book of Acts, the more he kind of came to this conclusion. And the conclusion was that the, the gospel, the, the message of Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus Christ, the gospel as, as it is um, given into the hands of the church and expressed by the church, and the gospel, which is what you and I as individuals, we are, are living out as lights of the world, we're living out of the gospel, came to the conclusion that the gospel was really comprised of two things. And the first one was the proclamation of God's love. And the second one was the demonstration of God's power. The proclamation of God's love is simply that we go around telling people of how good God is. We go around telling people that God loves them. We go around telling them that for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son. We go around telling people that, well, we, well, you and I were still yet sinners. Christ died for us. That's the proclamation of going around in the songs that we sung this morning and a big part of worship is when we worship, we are proclaiming the miracles that we've seen as proclamation. But the other part of the Gospel message is the demonstration of God's power. But what the Gospel message is, is it's not just words and it's not just story, but it's this living and it's this active power source. And what Jesus did and what the Apostles did and what we see through the book of Acts and, and into the epistles and throughout church history, we see Christians going around demonstrating God's power. Christians showing that, listen, this God that we serve is a very real God. This God that we serve is a God of power. And He can do things that you can't do on your own. He can do things that other gods can't do. And so it was out of kind of that heart that the, the Vineyard uh, movement was birthed. Here's a quote from, from John Wimber. He says this, God called the Vineyard to do the stuff of proclamation and demonstration. To do only half of what we've been called to do is not a complete gospel message. The kingdom is about doing as much as it is about teaching. I pray that the vineyard never stops taking risks of the kingdom. For us as a vineyard church and as Brownsburg Vineyard Church, our mission kind of reflects everything that I've been talking about. Our mission is to create opportunities for people to encounter God. And the way that we create opportunities for to encounter God is we demonstrate uh, our love, God's love. We, we tell them. We tell them God loves you. We, we tell them that when they walk through the doors. The reason we have coffee and the reason we have snacks and the reason we have smiling faces is because we want people to know God loves you. But that's not the only platform in which we show people God's love or we proclaim that, that love. Hopefully when people walk through the doors of your home and when people are invited into your home, you're doing that to proclaim to them God loves you. And so there's, there's that aspect in, in our mission statement to create opportunities for people to encounter God. But the second part of that is to create opportunities for people to experience transformation. And a big part of our mission is to see the power of God impact people's lives in such a transformational way that they will know that it was God. 
that things will happen in their lives, that they will know that they've encountered the power of God. And that may be salvation. Maybe just in that moment of salvation, when for the first time in their life, they call upon the name of the Lord. And in that moment of salvation, they just feel the love of God flooding over them, or they feel the release of the burdens that they've been carrying. In that moment, they just have this overwhelming encounter with God that they know that they've touched the power of God. Or maybe what that experience of transformation means is that they come and in, in a moment of prayer they are healed of some physical malady that they're dealing with. Or maybe they come and they receive prayer and uh, an anxiety or fear that has been weighing them down, a bitterness or an anger that they've been carrying with them, that's released from their life. Or maybe as we sung today, that there's an addiction or a stronghold or a pattern in their life that they can't break, that they walk in through these doors and God does a work in their life that they have been dreaming of and hoping of but haven't been able to see happen in their life. Maybe the transformation and the power encounter that they have is that they walk in through these doors and their marriages were falling apart. And they encountered God as a family and as a couple and God did an incredible work. Maybe they walked through these doors and they had so much hurt and anger and bitterness and trauma. But being in this place and in the presence of God, they find themselves being healed and finding peace that they've never had. And so that's our mission, is to see the power of God encounter people's lives. So today we're uh, concluding our series, Light It Up. And throughout this series, we've been learning how to let our light shine so that other people will glorify God because of us. And, and so what this series is, has been about is, is living our life in such a way that the people would look at us and they would go, I see God whenever they open their mouth. When that person is confronted with a, uh, an anxious situation or a stressful situation, instead of them responding like everybody else does, I see them respond differently and there's something about them that I want to know. And when they see you be offended and disrespected, instead of responding in kind to other people, they see you responding in love and they go, wait a second, there's something that they have that I don't have. And so that's what this series is about. It's leading people to God through the way that we live our lives. And so we began this series by talking about living fearless lives in a world that is just gripped by fear that you and I would walk around with no fear. We talked about living influentially, that we would live our lives in a way that, that every opportunity that we have is an opportunity for us to influence people towards God. And we talked about living peacefully. And just being in the midst of the storm to rest in the hands of our God. And so today we're going to conclude our Light It Up series with a message about living powerfully. And I, I think that whenever we hear that word power as it relates to spiritual power, that can be a little intimidating. Helping little old ladies across the street or doing your good deed for the day or saying your prayers. I think that's all within our wheelhouse. But when you talk about living and demonstrating power and miraculous power, sometimes we can be a little bit intimidated by all of that. But it's important for us to understand that whenever the Bible talks about power, especially in the gospel messages in the book of Acts and through the epistles, every time 
the Bible talks about power, the one thing that we see it teaching is that the power of God rests in the hands of the people of God. It just plainly says that the power of God now rests in the hands of the people of God. One of the sayings that we have in the vineyard is that we live naturally supernatural lives. And what we believe as a movement is that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, it's just going to be natural for you to be engaged in supernatural things. This is going to be natural for you to, to pray for people and to see things happen and, and to step into situations and, and to see somebody who's hurting and broken instead of just walking by giving them some nice platitudes or telling them that you're going to send good thoughts into the universe. You stop and say, hey, can I pray for you? Can I lay hands on you right now and pray that God would lift this burden? Can I, I pray for you right now that, that God would bring healing in your body? Can I pray for you right now that this news that you receive, that, that God will bring good about in it? That, that's what it means. It's interesting. Um, years ago, um, we, we had some friends in our neighborhood, and both the husband and wife had lost their previous spouses to death, and they had met in a bereavement group. And, uh, and so the husband comes over to my house, and, and he had unfortunately not only lost his wife in a car accident, but it was his wife and daughter who had perished in the car accident. And his two sons, who were also in the car, were pretty severely injured, but they survived. And so he came over, and he said, Dennis, he said, every morning that I wake up and I step in the shower, I have a panic attack in the shower. He said, just the thought of what happened and the fear of what might happen again. And I said, well, Mark, I said, let me pray for you right now. So I laid hands on him and I prayed for him. Didn't hear anything for a couple of weeks. And then we crossed paths in some social setting where they were over. We were over at their house. And I pulled him aside and I said, Mark, I said, how are those anxiety attacks doing? Mark is like a German uh, Lutheran from Wisconsin. Not a lot of emotion. He was a scientist at Eli Lilly. So I wasn't ever going to get some emotion from him. But he looks at me and he goes, oh, didn't I tell you? And I'm like, no, you didn't tell me anything. He says, I've never had an anxiety attack since the moment you prayed. And I thought, ah, oh, that would have been nice to have that. But those are the naturally supernatural power encounters that we can have. And all that it requires is that we pray. It may just simply mean that, that in the moment that you are willing to stop and say to the Holy Spirit, in this moment, I, I need one of the spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit, is there something that you want to tell this person through me that I would otherwise know? Is there something that you want to do in this person's life through the laying on of hands that, that I might be the vessel that you do that through? As I said, we just finished this series on deliverance and warfare. Could it be that, that you are the person that God has, has called into that situation that, that, that they need somebody to fight on their behalf and you step in and with your eyes and your faith, you really see that they're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. And you do spiritual warfare on their behalf. And that through doing that, they understand God. There's a couple of things that we see about the power of God that is, is vitally important for us to comprehend. And, and the first one is this, that when talking about the power of God as it relates to our life, the power of God is not like this um, mystical nebulous force that is just floating out there that if we say the right incantations and light the right candles that somehow we might be lucky enough to get this nebulous power source to work on our behalf. That's not what the Holy Spirit is. That's not what God's power is. 
What we're going to learn is that this power is a person and that person resides inside of us. So not only is the power of God not this nebulous force, the power of God is also not exclusive but inclusive. The power of God isn't something that just rests on the hands of the person standing on the stage, the person that has the title. The power of God doesn't just rest with specially anointed people who who are miracle workers and miracle performers. No, the power of God rests in the hands of the people of God. Again, we say in the Vineyard Church that everybody gets to play. And the reason why everybody gets to play is because everybody has access to the same power. But with that power comes responsibility. With that power comes the realization that, that I am the one that has been called. I am the one that has been commissioned to live a powerful life, to demonstrate the power of God, so that through my life, not just through what I say, but what I do and how I pray, that people would see the glory of God. Which, interesting, is the very last sentence that Jesus spoke in His lifetime was a sentence that made reference both to power and to light. In Acts 1.8, these are the last words of Jesus before He ascended to heaven. He said this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be My witnesses, or you will be My light in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What these last words of Jesus tell us is that the only way that you and I can truly reflect the glory of God is if we're demonstrating the power of God. That that is part of our witness is demonstrating the power of God. And so today I'm just going to share with you just two things that are, are necessary for us to reflect the power of God. And, and as, as I get into this, I want you to approach this not from this is a message for somebody else to, to, to hear or you know, I'm going to pass on this message. I'm, I'm going to do something else, but I'm not going to mess with this power thing. I want you to hear this message from a very personal perspective. That this is how God wants me to live my life. He wants me to live my life powerfully so that He is able to do things through me that other people will look at and go, I know that wasn't you. And I know that wasn't me. So there had to be somebody else at work here. That's what each and every one of us is called to do. So, first thing that's necessary in order for us to live powerful lives is that we be willing to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. To be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said these words, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, the focus wasn't so much on the power, though that word was in the sentence. The emphasis of the sentence wasn't on the power. The emphasis of the sentence was on the person. And the person was the Holy Spirit. That was the operative word in that sense. You will receive the Holy Spirit. I'm I'm going to introduce you to someone. The power was a byproduct of the relationship. The power didn't come independent of the relationship. The, The main thing in that sentence was the Holy Spirit is going to come. And I think one of the challenges that we have, depending on, on our upbringing, so if, if you're Catholic like myself and some other denominations, you, you grew up using the term Holy Ghost, and there's kind of this mystery around the Holy Spirit. And so when we think of the image of the Holy Spirit, most of us don't have an image in mind for the Holy Spirit like we do have for, say, God. 
you know, I don't know what you think of when you think of God, but most of us think of a beard. For some reason, God has a beard and it's white. I don't know why or where that came from, but we usually think of God being old. After all, he's been around for a while. And he kind of has a gentle look on his face and he has a white beard. We think of that, right? And, and, and uh, set aside the theological issues with that, it is helpful for us to somehow, when we close our eyes, to imagine God sitting on his throne with his very nice white beard. And then because they had cameras back in Jesus' day, we're fortunate to have all kinds of pictures of a very uh, white-skinned, blue-eyed, Middle Eastern Jesus. And again, some problems with that, but it's kind of helpful that when we say the word Jesus, we all think of, again, beard. Uh, We think of a bearded, middle-aged guy who has a very friendly look on his face. But now when I say, think of the Holy Spirit, what comes? There's no face, is there? And so it's very easy for us when we think of the Holy Spirit not to have an image to hold on to. And that makes it harder to relate to. But we still need to be in relationship with the Holy Spirit. So a couple things that helps is for us to understand that the Holy Spirit has personal characteristics. Like you and I, we have a, a characteristic, we have a personality. The Holy Spirit has certain characteristics, and as a person, those are the characteristics that he is known by. Galatians tells us that the fruit or the characteristics or the personality of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That is a characteristic. That's the personality of the Holy Spirit. And the more you get to know the Holy Spirit, the more you get to understand those things. And in fact, the more you relate to the Holy Spirit, the more those things become true of your life. So the Holy Spirit isn't this nebulous force, but He's a person with characteristics. The Holy Spirit also personally communicates with us, which also points to Him being with first, being a person. You can have a conversation with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a counselor. I've gone to a few counselors, and one of the things that they all have in common is they talk. And so the Holy Spirit, as a counselor, will talk to you. He will reveal things to you. He will have conversations with you. And finally, as Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is a person who coexists with us. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes and lives with us, walks with us, goes through life with us, partners in life through us. And so the Holy Spirit isn't just some mystical being, but the Holy Spirit, by very nature, is a relational being. And if the Holy Spirit is a person, and by nature He is relational, then what that means is there's an invitation for you and I to get to know the Holy Spirit as a person. To have a friendship and a relationship with the Holy Spirit. To learn how to interact with the Holy Spirit. And we actually see this being true even in Jesus' life. It says this in Luke 4. It says, Now Jesus, full of and in perfect communication with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led to the Spirit in the wilderness. Wouldn't that be nice for, for somebody to say that about you? And Smokey, being full of and in perfect communication with the Holy Spirit. That would be a good compliment, right? Jude being full of and in perfect communication with the Holy Spirit. I, I would like that as a, as a tag under, like, whenever I send an email. Dennis Roy, full of and in perfect communication with the Holy Spirit. That's the invitation. For you and I, for others, to say that of us. If somebody was writing your biography, they would say, Sammy, 
full of and imperfect communication with the Holy Spirit. And it's that same fullness and friendship of the Holy Spirit that we're called to foster. And if we're going to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit, then we need to spend time in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you this. You cannot have access to the power of the Holy Spirit without spending time in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So we're actually going to do something kind of a little bit different today. I'm going to have uh, Emily come up and kind of play the keys in the background. We're going to turn the lights down here in a minute. So we're going to put to practice what I've just been talking about. We're going to spend maybe the next five minutes, each of us, independently and privately, in a moment of relationship with the Holy Spirit. There are kind of two things that happen when we're in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the first one is emptying, and we'll talk about that. And that's just where, through talking with and spending time in the Holy Spirit, we are emptied of all of the things that are weighing us down. All of the things that we've let into our mind and heart that are just troubling us. So it begins with an emptying, and then it is followed with an empowering. And that is where the Holy Spirit then refills us with the things that really count, and the things that really matter. So I'm going to encourage you to do this, to close your eyes with me. If you're comfortable, just open up your hands, lay them on your lap. If you have a piece of paper and a pen, you can have that available, because the Holy Spirit may share something with you. But we're just going to now practice presence of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I just invite you into this place corporately, but also into this place privately. Into the place that each person has now created by the pausing and the closing of their eyes and the opening of their hands. And in that place, we invite you that is under the surface that we don't even know 
that is in Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit, even now, reveal to our minds and hearts fears that are within us that we're unaware of. Holy Spirit, release from us all anxiety, all worry. Holy Spirit, your word says to cast all of our cares upon you because you care for us. So help us in this moment, Holy Spirit, to release all of our cares. Holy Spirit, do something in our heart that allows us to hand over to you the people that we are anxious about. Help us to know that in handing our spouses and our parents and our children and our friends that we're concerned about, in in handing them to you, they're actually in a better position in your hands and in our hands. So we just release. We release those that we are mourning, those that we are concerned and have anxiety about. Spirit, the the offenses and the bitterness and the anger and and the relational rubs that we've we've experienced this week or really throughout our life that are holding us back, that that when we remember it, it feels as if the, the knife gets stabbed in again. We choose now, Holy Spirit, to release bitterness and anger. Give us the courage and the grace in this very moment, Holy Spirit, to cancel any debt that is owed against us. And if in this moment the Holy Spirit is bringing the faces or the names of people to you, then follow follow that. Just actually say, I forgive that person. I release that person. So we choose to empty. We empty every prison cell within our heart. We let the captives go free. We empty it all out. Out every debt that is owed to us. Nobody owes us anything, God. So, Holy Spirit, empty that out. As I was preparing for this time, I really felt that the Holy Spirit wanted to empty out shame, guilt, and regret. The Holy Spirit, the guilt and the shame and the regret that we've been carrying for things that we've done in the past. I pray that you would release that from us. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you that there's the invitation to boldly approach the throne of grace. So, just really do sense that there are some of you right now who are remembering very, very specific events, very specific memories that are shrouded in guilt and shame. Right now, the Holy Spirit is wanting to completely empty that from you and embrace you just with His loving arms. So we release that. Past failures and mistakes that we've made, we just release those. And now, Holy Spirit, just ask that you would fill us empower us with what we need in this moment. Holy Spirit, for those whose, whose faith has taken
taken a hit for those who have not necessarily lost their faith in, in theory, but have lost the momentum behind their faith. The sense that there, there, there are some of you say, I, I still believe, I just don't have the endurance to really run with my faith anymore. I, I pray, God, today that you would fill those of us who need momentum behind our faith, that you would fill us up with the momentum of the Spirit, that we would, we would come from this moment ready to run in the way that we've run in the past. God, for those of us who are, who are facing mountains and giants and lions that we know we've got to address, I pray that you would fill us up with the courage to address those things. For, for those, Holy Spirit, who are facing some complexity, some situation that needs to be a, a conclusion, a, a solution, I just pray that you would fill us up right now, Holy Spirit, with wisdom and with prophetic answers for very complex problems. Fill us up with that. Thank you that your word says that not to worry about what we will say when the opportunity comes, but that the Spirit would give us the words. Fill us up now, Holy Spirit, with the words that you would have us to say when the opportunity presents itself. Prefer a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit's power. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us with that power. A fresh and a new. that you need from the Holy Spirit. Just ask the Holy Spirit in this moment to empower you with that day. Come, Holy Spirit, fill every heart with what every heart needs. For vision, for direction, sense that there are some here that need vision and direction. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you guide us. So give them the coordinates and the directions that they need to, oh, now I know the next step. I've been waiting to know what the next step is. Give, give that. Fill us, God. Fill us, Holy Spirit, with direction that we need and vision.
just a brief kind of demonstration of what it means to spend time in the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is so much different than like doing your daily devotions. Now, I'm not saying we should do that. But this is so much more than just checking something off of our list. This is in and being in relationship with the, the power force of heaven. And it's something that we can do on a daily basis. So we're going to, for the sake of everything else that we need to do today, we're going to come out of this time. But before we do, I just want you to remember this place and remind yourself, hey, I, I got to visit here again. Maybe this afternoon or tomorrow. Make sure you remember how you got here and say, I'm coming back. I'm coming back for more of this. So Holy Spirit, that's what that would, which you have started. I pray that you would complete I pray that you would continue. That for some, this may be the first place that they are, the first time that they visited this place, but it would not be the last. So we thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Amen. Oh, boy, those lights are bright after that. That was good. Let me just quickly... That I'd have two points. I'll quickly close with this last point. If we are going to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit, we not only need to spend time like that in the presence of the Holy Spirit, we also need to be willing to take risks with the Holy Spirit. And I think what happens is, having come out of a time in the presence of the Holy Spirit like we just did, we come out not only with a, a, a greater awareness of the power of the Holy Spirit, but we come out with a sense of purpose. Something happens when we're in the presence of the Holy Spirit that we come out of those places with, with this sense within us that there's something that I've got to give away. There's something that I've got to do. There's someone that I've got to talk to. It, it's, it's reminiscent of Jeremiah in the Old Testament who said, but if I say I will not mention His Word or speak of His name any longer, His Word is like a fire. It's a fire shut up in my bones and I'm weary of holding it in. I cannot. And so... So what happens is when we spend time in the presence of the Holy Spirit, we kind of get filled with this thing, and then there's just this, this motivation or this desire. There's something within us that we've got to do. There's this purpose that we've got to fulfill. And really what, what, what causes that power to be actualized in our lives, because we can spend all the time we want in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and it's great, but the power that we're really um, empowered with isn't really actualized in our lives until we're willing to take a risk. Until we're willing to do something with that. It's interesting that John Wimber is famous for saying that faith is spelt R-I-S-K. And that's exactly what happened in the life of Peter. So the scripture that we read in Acts 1 was when Jesus said the last sentence ascended to heaven and they waited in the upper room in Jerusalem for ten days. One day, two days, three days, four days. Nothing happened and nothing happened. And on the tenth day, and we have the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell. But then listen to what it says on the day of Pentecost about Peter. And keeping in mind, this is the same Peter who took a couple steps on water but got afraid and sunk. 
This is the same Peter who Jesus had to say, get me behind, get behind me, Satan. This is the same Peter who denied he even knew Jesus. This is the same Peter who had not shown any willingness to take a risk. And it says this of that Peter. Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. And what this part of the story tells us is that if we're going to demonstrate power, if we're going to be a people who demonstrate the power of God, then we're going to have to be a people who stand up. When we walk into an office and everybody walks by that hurting person, we're the person who stands up and says, let me pray for that person. What it means is that when we walk into the store and all of a sudden we feel that thing within us where we know and we've all felt this one of those God moments, those divine moments, those Holy Spirit moments where the Holy Spirit causes us to lock eyes with another person and we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God wants us to say something to that person. It's in that moment that we have to raise our voice and not swallow our voice. And it's in doing those things It's in standing up and it's in raising our voices and it's in taking the risk that we realize the power that is within us. But without ever raising our voice, without ever standing up, without ever taking that risk, we will never know the incredible power that is within us. And so it's that risk, that willingness to risk, that really allows the power within us to be actualized. And if we want to see God do miraculous and powerful things through ordinary people like you and I, then we're going to have to practice going out on a limb, taking leaps of faith, and diving in head first, even if that scares the living daylights out of you. That's where you discover the power of God. We're going to have to learn how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and then respond and take risks. And that, my friend, is the heritage that we are following. The men and women of faith who passed on to us the baton of faith exercised the risk and the courage to share their testimony and their faith with us. And now that baton lies in your hand and in my hand and we have to stand up and raise our voice and pass that on to others. During the announcements, Christian and and Danielle shared about the School of Ministry class that we have starting on September 17th. And if you're interested in knowing what it means to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit and to live a powerful life, I couldn't more strongly recommend being part of the School of Ministry class. It wasn't intended that this sermon be a commercial for that class, but it just happens to fit so very well. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. And there's one last quote to read as we prepare our hearts for, for a time of response. This quote comes from a small booklet that the Vineyard has produced, and the booklet's called Risk, a motto for kingdom life. And it says this, Jesus had no intention of founding an anemic church that would become highly skilled at doing religion without true spiritual power. The gospel faith Jesus gave us, modeled for us, and distributes through us in our homes, neighborhoods, churches, and cities is real power for real life. And to be a disciple of Jesus is to become His apprentice, learning to do what He did and to do it smack in the middle of everyday life as we know it.
So as we close this series on being a light to the world, I want to encourage you to live a powerful life, to spend time in the presence of the Holy Spirit, emptying yourselves of those things that weigh us down, emptying ourselves of the fears and the anxieties and the hurts and the lies and the the identity issues that hold us back and being filled with the power of God. I want to encourage you that every single day you step outside of your front door, you are going to be encountered with opportunities to proclaim the love of God and demonstrate the power of God. Spirit wants us to take that journey with you. I believe that we are living in a generation that now more than ever needs the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember this. The power of God rests in the people of God. And if we don't do it, who will? They will go around looking for someone with power. But every other source of power will take them away from the goodness of God. Power that you and I have to demonstrate will take them to the presence of God. And so we have to be active in that. So as we uh, kind of move into this time of reflection, there's a, a number of things that we do here. Uh, we have communion at the back of the rooms in the baskets. If you want to continue that time with the Holy Spirit, then I encourage you to grab the communion elements at the back of the room and return to your seats, and you can uh, take that time of communion. We're going to have the, the altar that's open. If you simply want to come forward and kneel at, at the altar here and just continue that time with the Holy Spirit, you're welcome to do that. I'm going to invite our prayer team forward now as our prayer team can be up here, and they, they are going to be here, say, during that time spending in the presence of the Holy Spirit, if something got stirred up in you that you know God wants to do a little bit uh, deeper of a work or more of a work than they're here to just do that with you, to walk you through that and to spend some more time with you. If you came in today, if there's anything you need prayer for, then I encourage you to come forward and receive that, that prayer now. Otherwise, you can just sing along with the band. Let's just pray. Holy Spirit, as we continue our time in your presence, and as we continue this time of reflection, continue to stir in our hearts. Come, Holy Spirit, come. I want to dedicate the closing of this service to hear from you, to get to know you a little bit.